back to Macro Magic with Michelle. I am your host, Michelle Williams, also known as the Freedom Fairy on TikTok, YouTube, and Patreon. I'm so happy you guys are back here today listening. This is an incredible podcast episode. So many amazing points in it. Today, I'm interviewing Joe Waxman. If you guys don't know who Joe Waxman is, he is one of the children of Denny Waxman. If you guys don't know who Denny Waxman is, he is one of the pioneers of the health food revolution. And he studied with Michio and Aveline Kushi, one of the most popular and main contributors of macrobiotics and he also started some health food stores in Philadelphia and he also runs a macrobiotic school called Strengthening Health Institute where Joe Waxman actually worked as well. Um, Denny has a few books out there. He actually has one available on Audible. There's not very many macrobiotic books available on Audible. Um, so if you're an audiobook person, you can go check out Denny Waxman's book on there. I downloaded it, re- downloaded it recently, so I have to start listening. But how I got connected with Joe Waxman, it was last about this time last year, last summer. I have been a part of the macrobiotic community for a few years, you know, basically ever since I started eating this way and learning for myself, but, you know, many people out there don't know what macrobiotics is in my regular life. I never heard of it until I met my boyfriend, Tom, and I was really eager to connect with more people who understood this lifestyle. So I took to social media, as I do, because I have a 11th house stellium, four planets in the 11th house, and I just started adding people on Facebook and Instagram, but mostly Facebook first, because Tom was really my connection to macrobiotics. And so I was going through his friend list and I would just start adding people that had that had macrobiotics in their name and their profile. Um, if I noticed the name from the books I've been reading, you know, authors, editors, um, contributing people to these books, or and or people who had last names that I recognized from those books because I know the macrobiotic community is pretty small <laughs> still um but so uh and I also ended up joining a whole bunch of Facebook groups so I again I just searched macrobiotic Facebook group and of course my boyfriend Tom would send me invites to the different groups and so I got to see I was introduced to more macrobiotic people that way. And, you know, everyone out here, 
listening, you probably know me. Like, oh, Michelle, she knows about macrobiotics. And you probably don't know anyone else that's about macrobiotics. So to you, you think I know a lot, which maybe I do. But there are people out there who know a lot more than me, who have experienced, who have lived this lifestyle a lot longer than I have. And this is how I am. I don't know where in my chart, you know, this, um, this explains it, but you know, I have respect for people who have been doing something longer than me, who I know, know more than me, who have studied longer. Like I look up to all of these people in the macrobiotic community, even though I don't know a lot of them on a personal basis. I just know because of just where they came from, they have information I don't have. They have wisdom I don't have. And I respect and I honor all of them for going through their journey to whatever extent they did with macrobiotics before me because I would not know any of this if it were not for all of them, you know? Even even if, you know, people in the macrobiotic community only did it for a short amount of time, you know, you don't have to write all these books, you don't have to start schools, you don't have to be a teacher to be a, a part of that, of that time, of that, of this idea and this concept and this way of life. So I didn't really talk to people. I was friends with them, you know, I looked at all their posts, I clicked on their links, I liked their things. Once in a while I would comment. I don't think I reached out to basically anyone because I just felt... I talked about this um, in the Julie Tara podcast episode, but I just felt like, who am I to try to connect with these people when I don't really know in comparison, you know, like what I've been doing macrobiotics for a year and all of a sudden I want to be best friends with everyone in the macrobiotic community. I'm going to cry. Um, um, I just felt like, like what I just felt this thing you know I just felt like what right do I have I just felt like that and but I really wanted to connect with them oh my god um and so I would I would I had already been making videos about macrobiotics for years you know you know my grocery hauls I'd say oh yeah bread rice you know it's really good you know you gotta chew it really well (laughs) I'd say like So on my YouTube channel, you can see me transforming. You can see me starting to learn and um, my early videos and even some of my videos today maybe not be like completely well informed because I still haven't, I still haven't been certified in the macrobiotic way of teaching, of cooking. I've taken several classes, some of them a day long, some of them weeks long, you know, I've done things here and there, I've read books, I've, you know, have my boyfriend who has been doing this for a very long time, but, um, I don't know everything, like I say, like I've been saying, um, but, so I was afraid, even though I wanted to share macrobiotics on a grand scale, a big way, on the internet, I was afraid of what other macrobiotic people would think about me. I was afraid that they would 
think all those things I said. Like, who is she? She doesn't know anything. Oh, she's some 26-year-old girl. Like, okay, whatever. She doesn't know anything. That's what I thought. (laughs) That's what I thought. Maybe it's because I come from the world of ballet where it's like that. I mean, you kind of have to be that way in ballet. Otherwise, you're not going to get... I don't know. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Um, So, I was afraid to... For any of the macrobiotic people to know that I was talking about macrobiotics because I just didn't want to be judged I just didn't and and it's not that I don't want to be judged because I'll have my feelings hurt it's like I don't want to be judged because I know I don't know everything <laughs> like and I want to learn but the Gucci Institute closed down you know for for the beginning part of me getting into macrobiotics there wasn't a lot of stuff online, it seems like. And I, it was very frustrating to me because I thought, like, I've even said, um, I, I when I did an interview with Joe Waxman on his YouTube channel last year, this is what I'm getting to, and I said, I wish more Macabre people would do more stuff online because, I mean, most of the people who have a lot to share, they're older people, and it's just the way it is. They didn't grow up with technology. They're not so... It doesn't seem like social media, online things comes to them very naturally. But it was frustrating because it's like, I don't I don't have a macrobiotic school that I can go to physically. I don't have... I, it felt like I didn't have macrobiotic education easily available to me online. So basically all I have are these very old books... Most of them are out of print. (laughs) I have my boyfriend, and basically that's it. You know, and I'm too afraid to reach out to these people because I'm afraid they're going to think I'm whatever. So, anyway, um, finally, uh, after I quit my job teaching ballet, I really wanted to commit myself to becoming a healer. And more specifically, I really want to make healing with food my main thing of course macrobiotics is a big part of that it's basically it's a huge part of that and um you know I know that growing my following is a big part as well online and a lot of people online were not getting me when I was talking about macrobiotics when I was trying to you know share this information people were not interested, didn't get it, whatever, whatever. And so I didn't, I was trying to create this career. I didn't have such a big following as I knew I needed. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to take, I'm going to put myself out on the line for some macrobiotic people to come at me and, and, uh, you know, critique me and all that stuff. I'm ready for it. Okay. I know that I don't know everything. I know I deserve all these critiques, whatever they're going to give me. So I started sharing my links on the macrobiotic uh, Facebook groups. And so from there, Joe Waxman, I guess, saw something I had posted and he reached out to me. And that was such a huge, just like with Julie Tara, just like how I mentioned in that podcast, that was such, I felt so grateful so honored, so, like, I just felt like because I was expecting people to not like me in the macrobiotic community, 
and then here is someone who has grown up in that in that way he knows a lot and he's reaching out to me and asking me hey do you want to do a collaboration like not just like hey like hey how are you but like he wants to hear what I have to say connect with me and that was just such a big thing and I I really felt so incredibly grateful I really feel like Joe Waxman opened a portal for me to the Mechabotic community because otherwise I was keeping myself away you know and getting to know his story more getting to know him and everything he's been through there are so many important things that he has to share with the world and in whatever way I can do my part in helping his voice be heard and and his talents be more recognized and just the whole macrobiotic philosophy in general you know of course like I keep saying I don't know everything I want to continue to learn and that's gonna continue to happen but in the meantime, if I have a following, if I have a, a love for sharing on social media, like, I am gonna share the people who I feel have something to share and have something of benefit to the world and have different knowledge than I do and that can help people out there that maybe I can't help them with. So I am so happy to bring you today, Joe Waxman. today with Joe Waxman and I'm really excited to hear what he has to share with us about growing up macrobiotic. So Joe, what can you tell us? How was your childhood growing up macrobiotic? I mean, it was a great childhood. Um, I don't really know what it was like to not grow up the way I did, but you know, looking back, um, it was very unique. It was very different. I mean, there's so, it's such a big question. I mean, I, I grew up with health, with food, with with the understanding that, that food was um, a very central and important part of at least my life and what we were doing. There was, there was a sense of like, I don't know, we were doing something. There was a buzz. It was very lively back then. It's different than, than it is now. Like when I was a kid, there was a huge buzz around macrobiotics because it was new and it was novel. And, and like we were a lot of the, you know, early macrobiotic pioneers were the ones to start that first health food store. My father started his scene and a lot of other people started, you know, this Erewhon and there was so many different health food stores. We were, you know, the health community largely there were others but we were a big part of that and we inspired inspired that um you know food was different I, I i was very self-conscious like going to school bringing like different kinds of food um that made me a little insecure because i wasn't eating the same things as other people um 
and that was that was somewhat of an issue because it, it just set me apart you know i think i carry that with me to to, to this day like this just this sense of being different from everyone else i kind of got used to it but it made me very independent independent minded uh, not necessarily going along with the crowd not necessarily needing to fit in because i just got very used to being different and eating differently um but yeah just it just ingrained in me a sense of, of, of health and the importance of eating well and being independent and um, at least for me, I mean, I know other kids who grew up this way had a different sort of take on it. You know, some went more mainstream, others, um, you know, kept to their macrobiotic roots more. So there, it was, you know, different kids had uh, took it different ways. But, um, you know, I kept to my macrobiotic roots. I studied macrobiotics, um, practiced it. You know, I even taught and counseled. I don't do that so much anymore. I'm still trying to figure out my my place in life but um it was a great foundation overall i'd say because it really prepared me to to think outside the box of society you know and to not necessarily just follow the crowd and and you know just go along with the authorities and what they say i mean it really taught me to think for myself and i think that's the most important thing not that everything that macrobiotics taught was 100 percent accurate all the time we've definitely needed to change direction change course question this question that adapt our diets and everything but what it really taught me was to think for myself and to be independent and um question and research and, and um be my own person so. very cool yeah i think that is a huge part of macrobiotics and i'm i'm glad that that stayed with you and um that's definitely something more people today could could use in their life. Mm, yeah. Um, I wanted to know, I know you said that sometimes you felt a little bit funny uh, taking your food to school. Um, did, how did you, how did you really like navigate it? Did you just like start making your own food that seemed more normal or did you just stop taking lunch or you know I mean the first memories were kind of fuzzy because I was really young but I think initially like and this probably the same mistakes that a lot of uh macrobiotic parents made especially early on in the early days is uh they'd send the kids to school with with, um you know lunches that were were too macrobiotic you know um, too Japanese, too foreign, and then you know the kids get made fun of because kids are kids. Kids don't really know any better. They just you know if something looks different, they're gonna laugh at it and point. Yeah. You know. Um, so I don't have very vivid memories of that, but I imagine I think stuff like that did happen. And then like you know the parents catch on because of course the the kids, especially young kids, are not really empowered to make these decisions for themselves but you know they figured out that you know peanut butter and jelly sandwiches even if you're using like organic sourdough bread is better than you know kishiki and and like you know weird weird you know rice balls and stuff like that so yeah we i took you know peanut butter jelly sandwiches juice chips things like that and it was more normal but even so like you know my family my mom you know would choose like the the most like densest brown bread she could find and it was still unusual for other kids they were like well you're eating brown bread you know and they're eating like wonder bread you know 
and you know so it's still like it was still an issue for me um and it made me self-conscious and insecure but and probably looking back my mom probably could have found bread that was more normal looking but you know what i mean it made me more independent so that's a good thing overall even though it was uncomfortable uh initially um I don't know if you know, they don't make it anymore, but it was Baldwin Hill. So it was like an early pioneer of, of natural organic holy sourdough. It was mm. really good bread, but it was like really thick, you know, like dense uh, sourdough bread, you know, more like old school, like German style or something like that, you know? <laughs> sounds great. I mean, I mean, to me, it sounds great now, but I'm sure as a child, I would have been just, like... Even on, on appearance, people are like, you could tell it was dra- drastically different from what everyone else was eating. Wow. And so then, what were some of your favorite foods to eat when you were younger? I mean, I had a great appetite. Like, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's a funny question for me because like, I know when my mom was pregnant with me, she liked every, she just had this massive appetite. And it's, and that's wow. basically how I was growing up. I just, I loved everything. I loved everything that my mom made. I loved, I just loved food. I had a really massive appetite and I could eat a ton and I never got fat. I just like, I just, they called me motor mouth because I could just eat, <laughs> eat, I would eat all the leftovers. And, and yeah, I just, I just have this incredible appetite and very, you know, healthy metabolism. It's not quite the same anymore. Like I could get fat if I tried to, but I don't um, because I mean, that's natural. But when I was young, so what was my favorite? Just like, I mean, every like macrobiotic, like healthy, good macrobiotic food. I did like sweets, you know, like any, every kid likes sweets and sugar and I would eat, you know, some of that. But at the same time, like I tried to be good. Like I tried not to, uh, eat too much sweets, you know, I didn't like them. But what was my favorite? I mean, I can tell you what I didn't like. I didn't, I never okay. liked meat and chicken. <laughs> that's just my natural taste. I didn't, yeah. and especially chicken. I don't like the smell of chicken. Mm. Right? So, but everything else I like. I mean, I like, I like brown rice. I like white rice. I like noodles. I like, you know, pizza. I don't eat pizza because most cheese is really, really unhealthy. But like if I was, if it was like an organic, like really healthy, like pizza place, I would eat it not like all the time, but like special occasion, you know, like, but there's not, I don't, so I don't eat pizza, but I'm, I'm just saying like, um, I don't even have to try really hard with my natural appetite. My natural appetite tends towards healthy food. So wow. yeah. Wow, that's so awesome. And and um, did your parents, I mean, if, if people out here don't know, uh, Joe's parents were, I mean, as he said in the beginning, really influential in the health food, you know, revolution. And of course, the macrobiotic community. So, I mean, um, your dad is Denny Waxman, who has a couple of books out, right? Um, and really popular teacher, and um, your mother also was a part of that. Um, and 
And um, so I would imagine that it would be a very unique experience, not only like, oh yeah, my growing up macrobiotic, but your parents are like huge figures in the community. So I, I don't know, how did they, how did they like teach you guys or did they just more like lead by example? How, what was that like? I mean, it was, it was a combination of both really, because um, yeah, like you said, like, uh, both my parents studied with the Kushis, um, and they're, you know, very active early on. My mom lived at the Kushi house and was one of the few people to really study close with Aveline as far as cooking goes. Uh, my father more with Michio, you know, in his classes. And, um, and my father taught, they both taught initially. My mom, you know, more dropped out you know, to raise us. But my father always taught, he still teaches and counsels. Um, and I would go to some of his classes. I like, you know, learning. So I'm very curious. So I always liked that. Um, and, it, and, you know, I, I would ask questions and, you know, I'm very independent minded. So I wouldn't just necessarily automatically agree with them. Even as a kid, I was question things and like if something didn't make sense to me, I would question it and not maybe even disagree at times and argue and it was just like that. You know, it was a very, you know, um, fluid household, whether I was living with my mom or my father, they, they separated when I was young, around six or something. But I, I lived with my father at times and my mother at times and I was just very curious and I engaged them a lot and talked to them a lot. And, um, so yeah, it was a combination of just being surrounded. I mean, my whole family was macrobiotic. I grew up um, in an extended macrobiotic community. It wasn't just my parents. It was, the, it was it was the whole macrobiotic community. So I was just immersed in it, you know. And I went to different. I, I went to the Cushy House for a while. I went to the Cushy Institute. In Beckett, I went to the Cushy Institute in Europe. I went to the macro community in Alaska. And I've just been all over in macro communities. Um, so online as well and the summer conferences. So I learned extensively through just being involved in the whole overall um, community. Just, you know, wanting to, wanting to be a part of it. That's really how I learned. So it was a combination of things. It was just, you know, living it and actively seeking it out as well. And reading books, I read a lot of books. That's so awesome. So, I mean, it, from from what you're saying, it sounds like you never felt like pressured or like you were doing something you didn't want to do. Is that right? No, I was never forced because, <clears throat> I mean, honestly, it's, it's really hard to force me. I mean, my, you know, I, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn, so I don't like to do things I don't like. <laughs> yeah, um, no. Yeah. No, I mean, like, my mom would talk to us. I mean, she, she tried not to, like, sort of make rules about what we could eat or couldn't eat. She would just sort of, like, talk to us. I mean, the main thing was, like, sugar. Like, if we go out and, like, binge on sugar, she would try and explain, like, how it affects us. Because that's one of the core understandings of macrobiotics is that food not only affects our physical health, but it also affects our, our mind and our emotions. And it's difficult to convey to someone because I remember early on, like, I didn't even believe that. Like my mom was be like, like you just ate a bunch of sugar and that's why you're upset. Like, no, it's not. I'm upset because of this, this, and this. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I'm upset. 
you know, and she's like, no, it's, you know, you're having an emotional reaction because you all ate tons of sugar. Now you're all upset and crying, you know? And I didn't want to believe it at first, you know, because we, we, we have to grow up. We don't just come in this world with certain belief. We have to, we learn how to think and what we believe and what we don't believe. But it didn't make sense to me at first because I like sugar and I didn't want to think that it was like doing anything negative to me. But then, you know, it makes sense actually. And I realized, and I saw it for myself, I was like, first not this, not believing it. Then I was like, okay, well, let me watch. Let me see what happens, you know, eat a bunch of sugar. And then, you know, you get manic for a while and then you get, you know, something happens. You get all like kind of pissy and upset and easily like emotional and stuff like that. Like it doesn't leave you alone. If you have a lot of sugar, you're not just gonna be left alone normal unless you're like really intensely or sick or whatever, it's just normal for you to be that way. But if you're normally healthy, then you can notice the big difference when you eat something like sugar or whatever it is, you know, like meat or anything, too much coffee, whatever. So around what do can you remember like kind of around what age did it kind of click for you especially what you're talking about about the sugar and the emotional reactions I must have been like I mean it was an ongoing process but I want to say like eight or ten when it started you know click in for me yeah yeah because sugar was the big one I mean part of the reason that there was such a strong attraction to sugar because the early macrobiotic days, it was really heavily conditioned to make our food really strong. We would call it yang, you know, eating yang. Mm-hmm. So yang was sort of like your, the original teaching was yang is good, eating is bad. And it took a long time. It's still, we have still, we still have work to do in that area. But, you know, to uncondition people to, to be more balanced and that eating is good too and that we need eating. But, yeah. you know, kids don't have these mental blocks. Like you feed them like, a lot of well cooked, you know, root vegetables and salty stuff, and naturally they're just going to eat sugar because it's just the polarity, mm-hmm. right? It's low sugar anyway. And you just you make their diet more young, they're going to, you know, move towards sugar. So that was natural. That's why it was always like about sugar. Sugar was the real big thing for me and probably most kids as well. I'm sorry. Wow. I don't know. Oh no, that is so okay, Joe. Seriously. That's why I thought I was like, this is gonna be great because I'm sure I say one thing and Joe's gonna have so much to say. So I was like, I don't have to worry so much. You just get me going. I'll keep going. Yeah, keep going. I'm I'm serious. Um yeah, so I'm just looking at my questions here. Oh, okay, so did you you kind of talked about it a little bit but did you ever feel rebellious i'm very rebellious i mean (laughs) is is part of my nature um yeah so um okay well i'll I'll be honest with you like the rebellion really came out and this probably touches on what it's something out the other topics um but when when my brother died i was 10 he was 12. He was the bad kid. He was older. Not the bad kid, but like he was already, I mean, very young for his age, but like he was doing stuff he wasn't supposed to do. And he was like, you know, what what I guess society would call like the bad, like he was rebellious. I was, yeah. I did what my mommy told me to do. And, you know, I, well, of course, I was only 10 years old. I mean, 
10-year-olds generally, unless they're born in really bad circumstances, are not typically rebellious. You know, they're not old enough to do it, right? That comes a little bit later. And he was only 12, so he was really young to be rebellious. But, um, you know, he was, at that time, he was, you know, like, he was very rebellious. But after he died, he was hit by a train. He died very suddenly, sadly, shockingly, traumatically uh, for me. Um, in the coming years, I mean, it would have happened anyway to a certain extent, but I really took on his sort of rebellion. And there was something, there's some psychological thing relating to that, like, I don't know, I had, I had major issues around that, uh, trauma, and I took on a lot of his sort of rebellion you could say and I did it consciously I, like I knew what was happening and it was almost like this thought like uh, oh he would be proud of me or something like that you know what mm, I mean like, yeah that was a memory of mine like he would be, he would be proud of me now because I'm like him yeah even though that was totally not like a good like like do not be <laughs> like, like don't follow him but I was anyway you yeah. know I, was, I took on his his and that was fueled by trauma and teen, just normal teen rebellion. And also my own astrology. I, I mean, I, it's not an astrology thing, but I know that by being an astrologer, looking at my own astrology, I know that, that I have very strong rebellious astrological indicators as well. But yeah, I took on rebellion in a big way and I became a big rebel. Yeah, punk rock, metal, uh, you know, hairstyles, earrings, clothes, leather jacket. I, yeah, all of it. Like I was wow. very <laughs> pushing the envelope in that, in that direction. Um, yeah, to a, to a, to a large degree, hanging out with the bad kids and smoking cigarettes and drinking and doing drugs. I didn't get too far into the drugs, but, um, part of me still like I wasn't like destructive my mom loved me you know she was a great mom and my my father even though they were divorced and my father wasn't very affectionate he he loved me and he's still a great father you know and I saw him and you know so like I came from a good home so it wasn't like you know other kids who really came from a broken home but I did I still had this trauma that I had to do and that fueled the rebellion even more than it would have otherwise sure so, so it wasn't necessarily like you, you didn't you didn't think it was like rebellion against like your your um, lifestyle that you grew up in. It was more like the situation, you know, the huge impact of your brother's death. That was the main influence. I never felt like I I was you know repressed in any food sort of way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would eat sugar if I wanted to eat sugar. I would eat pizza if I wanted to eat. And like I said, I never liked chicken. So I was never like going to go out and be like, I'm going to be a rebel and eat some fried chicken. I never wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Or even meat. Like I would try, like I would try. It's not like I never ate meat. I, I would eat meat on occasion. But it, was not, it wasn't it. like it didn't give me anything. It's like, okay. Yeah. I'd rather have something else, you know? Yeah. So the food thing, it was more like, no, it was more like rebellion. For me, it was more like smoking cigarettes and drinking beer and maybe smoking pot, you know.
Do you feel like the the most difficult time in regards to your mental health? Do you feel like it was your brother's passing? Yeah, I mean that was a big part of it. Um, so it went it went through phases. Um, when I was a teenager, and I think that has to do with because like. You know, part of you, it, it's like a developmental hold and, and like part of you gets trapped at a certain place. And so the farther away you get from it, the more difficult it becomes. So what I'm saying is that when I was like a teenager, things seemed all right. And I was just like, I enjoy being very dark and rebellious. It sort of gave me an edge that other people didn't have because I had experiences that other people did not have. Um, you know, I had this sort of like dark aura that that surrounded me that was you know when you're a kid it's like cool to be dark it's cool to be edgy it's cool to be like you know like fringe you know you you, you have a power that other kids don't have and i had that i played that but then where it started to get really difficult was this college because then it's like i'm carrying around this big bag of like this unopened like trapped like fear and trauma from when i was 10 years old and and being having that that 10 year old energy around me like as i'm trying to grow up and mature and become an adult becomes a real strain and so for a lot of people i've learned through the years like that's when the childhood trauma becomes an issue when you start to become an adult so normally people with mental health issues mental health oftentimes is tied to trauma um that's when it comes out so i started to really notice something wasn't right when I was in college um I didn't know until then like I thought I was normal I thought everything was fine I thought I was because I nobody told me I didn't go to therapy my parents didn't send me to therapy or anything like that nothing it was just oh that happened that sucks like get on with life you know um it was also the time you know that 80s 90s like it just wasn't we didn't even have the internet or the internet was just starting out. It just wasn't, we didn't know. Everyone was uninformed, you know? Um, that's when I noticed something was wrong. And then, you know, like I just had a really miserable time through my twenties and thirties even. And just, I just, it just became worse and worse and worse. And I, um, I got into spirituality. I met like, uh, my, this woman who I consider my teacher, Vanessa Stone, because she really helped me out a lot. Like I did not have a really good understanding of a lot of things. I mean, I did in some ways, but I was still missing a lot. I was still missing a big portion of what I needed to know for to heal myself um, until I met her. Um, and she really helped me understand a lot. But even then, I, I didn't connect the dots till my late uh, 30s. I didn't realize that that that, that my the, the trauma from from my brother dying was hit by a train, and it was just like this, this shocking thing um, that scared me. Unreal, released an unbelievable amount of fear, and I think that's what trauma essentially is. It's just like this huge amount of fear released all at once that your body doesn't know how to deal with, so it like stores it. In your nervous system and your organs and all over your body as um, anxiety and trauma and, and just deep subconscious uh, fears um, so yeah and that 
actually it came to a head around 2012. And funny thing about like 2012 is that a lot of people I've heard say that weird things like just everything changed to them around 2012, like things happened to them, which is interesting because we all know like Mayan calendar in 2012 ending. So anyway, yeah, I had um, it just came to like um, a psychological head and I knew something was happening. I didn't know what, but like I just had this weird like, um, I don't know what you want to call it. I, I hesitate to put like psychological terms on it because it's heavily polluted. I think modern yeah. psychology is heavily polluted with big pharma uh, agenda where they mm -hmm. want to get everyone on these drugs which actually destroy your mind instead of fill your mind. I have experiences with that too. Not personally, I never took any pharmaceutical drugs, but other people I know who have, and it did destroy their mind. So I don't really, I think it's, I think uh, modern psychology is, is polluted, it's heavily polluted. So I, wanna, I don't want to put my experience in those terms because it's very negative um, from that influence. Um, I'm very destructive because I've learned to be, because I've learned I need to be. Um, but I come to understand these things in my own way and I sort of had to build my own framework because there's not really there's not really a healthy framework out there or at least there wasn't and there's if there is starting to be now it's not widely available it's sort of niche and fringe like these like I said like the modern psychology is heavily loaded with with the pharmaceutical agenda and the modern farm and they want to get people on these drugs and everything's aimed for that. Like they give you a diagnosis and here's the pill that's, this is the cure for that diagnosis. So I steered it, steered. I did not, I don't trust them. I didn't trust them. Uh, so I don't want to be involved in that. It's a completely separate paradigm from that. I'm coming from a more spiritual, holistic, uh, healthy framework where you don't need pharmaceutical drugs to heal yourself. Because I never did and I don't, and I don't believe you have to. Um, so, yeah, I, I um, have my own framework for all of that that I've had to learn the hard way, um, which I could talk about, but it, it's just really its own, its own um, paradigm. It would take its whole, take a whole, uh, uh, whole, whole thing unto itself in order for me to explain. But um, I've done a lot of work in that area. I've had to for decades. Uh, just to survive. I mean, it's a life and death situation. I mean, if, knowing what I know from my background, knowing the way the modern world works, um, the way it doesn't work and the way it's geared towards. And, you know, the modern health industry is the same thing. That's how I know about the modern, you know, um, psychological, psychology, psychiatric industry. Um, that it's not geared towards health, you know? So my original orientation for that, if I could just give you one anecdote um, that that would explain really why I know this and why I'm so convinced about what I do know, is that when I was young, um, at head of the Methodist Hospital, Dr. Anthony Satellaro contacted my parents because he had a, a cancer that was, um, he knew that was unhealable by his own Western medicine standards. He was head of the hospital uh, in Philadelphia. Um, and he wrote a book called By Life, Anthony J. Salero. And he knew he was gonna die if he didn't find a way. And so he found my parents because macrobiotics 
uh, was healing cancer patients. And so he found my parents, um, saw my father for counseling, ate my mother's food all the time. We had a big study house back then, so she was cooking for a lot of people. He healed his cancer um, through my hippie parents, you know, food recommendation, through macrobiotics. Um, so do you understand like this paradigm shift, like we're the head of the hospital, the head honcho, like he's at the top of the modern Western paradigm, medical paradigm, and he knows he can't heal himself. So oh what did he do? Go to my parents. So my parents are above the whole Western medical paradigm. And he yeah. healed following my parents' advice. My parents, yeah. my parents approach, which is my body. Yeah. <laughs> and he has a cancer and gets better. Later, he abandons wow. it, goes back to his old diet, fried chicken, Coca-Cola, whatever. Um, yeah. That's cancer and dies again. That was his choice. Right. That was freedom. But he knew he could heal and he did heal. And, and so that whole paradigm, you know, sh- stuck with me to this day. And I, I still know, like, 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 I don't have any problem just understanding, like, they're lying. They're full of shit. You know, yeah. they have limited use this. I'm not saying... The hospital, the whole, you know, allopathic medicine is, is complete waste of time. No, it's not. Right. They can heal broken bones. They can cut, you know, heal wounds. They can, they're great in emergency situations. They have their place. But a lot of their medicine is um, not um, good at best, harmful at worst. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, same thing with the whole... And that's how I knew, like, the whole psychology thing is just the same, exactly the same. Like, you know, in an emergency, yeah, they probably have their 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 good, um, you know, medicines and psychological uh, methods. But a lot of their practices are useless at best, harmful at worst. And a lot of it is harmful. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, so many, so many good... So many amazing things you're saying here, Joe. Um, yeah, that is so, I mean, just hearing you say like, um, when you were trying to heal your trauma and, and it just seemed, I loved how you said you liked to, you thought more about going a spiritual route rather than, you know, kind of the regular way that most people deal with trauma. And, um, and I think that is where I, I personally got to, um, pretty recently because I went through that traditional way, you know, um, therapy medication and I, no one ever told me food is a part of it. No one ever told me spirituality. No one ever said, they just said therapy and medication Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and, um, and it wasn't until later after I got into macrobiotics and opened my mind to all other aspects of my life that could help me heal that I realized, I mean, you can speak on your, your take on it too, but I thought like so many things um, in psychology, I feel like they don't understand um, the spirituality aspect still because it's like um, I thought to myself, um, my intuition was part of my anxiety and a lot of uh, therapists out there would it, I feel like they're a part of that Th- they think oh no that's just your anxiety or that's 
your mental illness. So I repress that part of me when it's like, really, your intuition is a huge part of your healing. And that is, you know, that is the connection to the spiritual realm. And, the, you know, um, I don't know. How, how did you feel in therapy um, when, when you would maybe talk about uh, macrobiotics or you would talk about spirituality? Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I never went, I never really had much therapy because okay. uh, my parents didn't send me to it. So I never went on my own. And then when I met Vanessa, I still hadn't gone to any therapy, but I just realized like I, Vanessa like blew me away. Like she was the first person I ever met who she just like, I just knew in like a deep soul recognition that she was an evolved soul. Like I knew mm-hmm. nobody, nobody needed to tell me that. I just knew it. Like she was somebody that that just like my defenses just dropped with her. And that was that was therapy. That was the first time yeah. I, really, I I first recognized. Okay, just sitting talking to Vanessa, or just being in her presence, going to her sittings, or having one on one, or just being around her, going to her programs. That was therapy. That was real therapy. Then, if I ever had any um, therapy after that, um, I knew right away, like whether it was a waste of time or not. And it, <laughs> it was a waste of time. It was a waste. It was all a waste of time because none of these people were. Let's see. I mean, not only did they not compare to Vanessa, they didn't compare to me. Like I, I could be their therapist. And what's the point of that? You know, here they are. They studied. They textbook and all. Who cares? Like you, so what? You've got a degree. That doesn't mean you're actually able to elevate someone. And that's what you yeah. have to do as a therapist. And yeah. that's not saying they're they're not good therapists out there, or that they those people aren't able to help elevate somebody else. They are, but, right. but for you, everyone has to find that person to elevate them. So it's mm-hmm. not just go to therapy. That's not a, a good solution. You have to yeah. find the person that can actually elevate you because if you're with somebody who's at your own level or even worse beneath you then they can't help you you yeah. know and and you're just playing a game and you're paying the money for for stupid it's just a waste of time it's there yeah. or, or you know and maybe they're going to give you maybe you, all you want is a medication i didn't want medication so i'm not gonna that's not the point of it yeah. If I refuse medication, they're like, they're trying to push medication on me sometimes. I'm like, no, because I don't want that. I don't trust it. And I better medicate. Like, if I'm going to medicate, I'm, you know, probably, you know, I mean, alcohol or, or marijuana is a better medication for me. Not anymore, but yeah. it was. Yeah. You know, it all depends where you are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And so, um, oh, go ahead. um did you did you ever see um maybe friends or someone that you know did you ever see them go through a difficult time with their mental health and they chose to take medication did you what did you notice about that very i mean i have very two very good examples not painful examples um uh a woman i knew for over 20 years who i grew up with basically mary creighton um she ended up having 
uh, big mental health issues that she did chose to go down the uh, medication route and it did not end well for her. Um, and I was not there like all the different, through all the different stages, uh, but I did see her plenty towards the end. Um, and she ended, she died. Uh, but I know that, you know, they had her, it's, it's a downward spiral. It's not the first I've heard. I've also read about very similar situations where, you know, these medications, they don't actually work. They just make people worse. And then they describe more medications, different ones. They keep giving different ones and different ones and different ones. And then it's just the end, at the end, like the person's just like an empty shell of who they were. Yeah. Uh, because all these medications, they're just messing with you. They're just manipulating the chemicals in your mind. Yeah. They're not killing anyone. They're not getting at the core trauma, core issues. It's a spiritual disease, you know, mental mm -hmm. health. Um, it can be, you know, also physical, but it's, yeah. it's spiritual, largely. It's, yeah. you know, mental, emotional, traumatic trauma, you know, and if you're just thinking you pop these pills and that's a cure, that's not a cure. You cannot cure somebody by popping a pill. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter what the pill is. It doesn't, just the whole paradigm is wrong. It's wrong. It's just the wrong paradigm. And I knew that. That's why, like, like I, I got involved with this this woman because I knew her for so long. And it's like, you know, when you're when you're close, when you're friends with someone, you start to see them go downhill. It's like, like, like no, please, like, stop, stop doing that. And it's like, you know, you want to help them, or at least I do. I want to help them. I want to save them. Yeah, like, yeah. I got really involved with her, and it didn't help. I mean, maybe it did help, but it didn't help enough. And she still went down that path despite my, you know pleading and begging because once you go down there it's like they don't if they're unwilling to face the consequences initially it's unlikely they ever will and the more you go down that the, the higher the more in debt they are the more the more they have to recover like if they just go off the pills they're just in so bad shape that they just can't take it and if they couldn't take it initially they're not going to take it now you know because they have way more it's like you know, somebody who doesn't want to pay off their debts and then they just go in deeper and deeper and deeper in debt. Never leave, they just have to go bankrupt and bankruptcy on that level means debt. You know, there's just no coming back. You know, they just go further and further down the rabbit hole and eventually they're just too insane to make good choices. And they just make the worst choices and there's just no hope, you know? And, and that happened twice. I knew two people who just, who died. Um, because they're, they're, the, the meds, pharmaceuticals messed up their mind. And people might say different things, but that's my observation. That's what I see from that happening, like why it happened. You know, like it just destroys people's minds. Uh, I don't recommend it for anyone. I do not recommend pharmaceutical medication. I mean, temporarily, maybe if it stops somebody from killing themselves, fine you know if it's an yeah. emergency you know what i mean yeah but not as a way of life not as just an ongoing solution i i do not think it's it's, it's good at all and and the other thing too i mean i mean you you kind of you already talked about it but it's like i know from my experience it's like even when you say something like hey you know i feel pretty good now i think i want to like lessen my dosage maybe come off of them the people that are supposed to be helping you do not encourage you to stop. They don't empower you to, to 
be your own. They don't. They want you to be dependent on them and they tell you, no, you're sick. You're, you're always going to be sick. You have a chemical imbalance. Yeah. And that's when I, that's when I, I was like, my doctor's telling me that basically she's saying things will never get better. I'm like, I'm 20, early 20s. And, and how am I supposed to not kill myself when my doctor's, you know? It's like, how am I supposed to continue when my doctor who's supposed to be helping me is telling me, oh, this is your life sentence. Like, you're going to be this way forever. <laughs> like, no. It's like such a, such a, like, really sick dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was saying before. Uh, do not have abdicate your authority for your own health and well-being your autonomy to somebody else who's you know <laughs> at best on your level at worst beneath you and that you could be helping elevate them because all they're going to do is drag you down to their low level you know even yeah. if they're a doctor even if they have like 10 phds and written 10 yeah. books and consider themselves the world's biggest authority on psychiatry <laughs> you know like who gives a shit you know because they might not be very evolved. Mm-hmm. They really might not be. And yeah. they're telling you, you're never going to be better. You're never going to be healthy. <laughs> you're never going to, you have to take these pills for the rest of your life. You have to pay me all your, you know, exorbitant amount of, you know, hard earned money for insurance or whatever. For insurance. Um, and that's just the way it is. Michelle, you have no hope. You know, you're you're weak and, and you, you have to be uh, basically subservient to, to whatever I tell you that that you know like that's horrible that's awful that's a terrible paradigm and i fully resent it like i resent yeah. it like, yeah do not do not do that to me no way yeah i'm not i do not consent well i'm so glad joe that you never that you know i mean it's so it's it is difficult that you had to experience that you know being around people that you cared about and watch them go through that. But I'm glad that, you know, you had that um, background of knowing and always questioning. See, that's where the questioning comes in great value when you are going through something and that's when you're supposed, like most vulnerable and that's when your people can take you down further. And it's like, I'm really glad that you had that strength within you to go on your own path and I mean um, we're happy that you're here and telling it yeah yeah I mean that's one of the I I think that's like the the biggest um, gift I learned from my parents you know just not like you don't have to give up our own authority like think you have a brain you have a head like who says somebody knows more than you and you're not supposed to trust your own you know, intuition or thought process or thinking, and you can't be your own best judge for what's good for you, and that you always need to give up your authority to somebody else, to some doctor or 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 whatever, you know, like boss or like whoever they are, some authority. That's just this paradigm they want to push off on us. Like you see that in the, the you know all throughout the internet and through like the social media, like. These are the authorities. Listen to them. Don't do not question. <laughs> Give up your own thinking. Do not, you know, follow the follow what we say and, and don't believe anything. You know, don't even believe your own thinking. Like, what nonsense? What poison? 
yeah. that's really, really terrible, terrible advice to give to people. You know, and we're, we're seeing that play out like that's it's tyranny, it's tyranny, you know, and the, the whole, you know, I hope you don't mind if I bring up the whole vaccine. I mean, this oh, is. Go- Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's, I was going to ask you about vaccines. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, whether, even if you think like the vaccines are a good thing, which I, I mean, there's enough evidence out there to just do the research that it's really, really questionable at best and harmful at worst. Um, you know, people really do need to do their own research. Like even at, at the end of the day, if you decide that it's your best choice, which I, I, I don't think so, like, but don't take my word for it. Like yeah. do research, do all your research and research the people that are saying, you know, it's not a good thing. Like hear what they have to say, because you can't just like, you know, this whole thing, like the disinformation doesn't where they list the 12 people, 12 doctors who've been doing this their whole life. And they're saying, don't listen to these people. Well, why would you not listen to them? Listen to them. Listen to all of them because at least now you know what the different sides are saying. You cannot make an informed choice. You're not hearing all sides of the argument. You know what I mean? Like you have to expose yourself to to both sides. That's healthy debate. That's healthy discussion. I mean, that's the cornerstone. I mean, if we're just like you only hear one side of the debate, that's 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 illogical. That goes against everything. That's just like mental tyranny. That's mental slavery you know like we have to be able to hear what people are saying and we have to hear you know all the facts and and furthermore like what reason do these people have to lie like there's a reason that doctors would have to lie on the plus side on the side of the vaccine of course because they're getting paid for it but what what reason do these doctors have for for lying on the other side where they're having their their um careers destroyed and they're being sent (laughs) yeah they're making money they're losing money yeah. They're losing everything. They're risking their lives. They're having their lives and their families threatened. Uh, Dr. McCullough had to take down his whole um, everything COVID nutritional advice from his website because he had he was being threatened. What does that tell you? Um, who's paying? Who's who's threatening him? And who's paying for you know him to be threatened? Who's saying that you know um, your family and your life is in danger unless you take? What does that mean? Like think. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, why? What benefit is there for them taking it off? Well, the benefit is that they're going to lose money. Uh, they're going to lose racket. They're going to lose their their agenda, their their criminal racketeering and their agenda, whatever their agenda is. Which I believe it's very sinister. Um, there's a huge. Um, well, I don't want to get you in trouble, but there's a big agenda out there. Yeah, so I don't want to, I don't know what, you know, risk factors there are, but I'd hate to get this video taken down. But um, there's a lot of sinister out there. There's a yeah. lot, of, there's a lot that people really need to be aware of. It's not, it's not conspiracy theory. There's real problems. Yeah. But, um, and so people really need to wake up. People really need to pay attention to what's going on before it's too late. Uh, do your homework. Now's the time to research. You know, I don't want to be the one to tell people what to think or what to do. And people probably won't listen to me anyway, but just do your homework, do your research. Like yeah. real. There's trouble. We got trouble. We got trouble right now. I, 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 I'm right there with you, Joe, 1,000%. 1, 
and um, yeah, we don't we don't need to go into to all the, the the darkness. I mean, if I already know to some extent, I'm sure people out there can kind of. But once again, look for yourself and decide for yourself. But kind of, I wanted to ask you a little bit earlier, since we're talking about vaccines now. Um, what was your experience um, growing up? Because you weren't vaccinated. So can you tell us like how you felt and um, and if you got sick ever, you know, let us know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like I never got sick. I got cold uh-huh. and whatnot. But that's just normal health discharge. Right. Um, you know, there's even a lot coming out these days because of the information age. And thank God for that. You know, we, we better keep it that way because information is good. Um, that, you know, that, that viruses themselves, the whole paradigm is off. The virus is not alive and that they can't be transmitted from person to person. I mean, I think if somebody is sick and they cough like in your mouth, that might, <laughs> depending on, on your condition, like that might, you know, if you're already not doing well, that might trigger an immune response. But this whole thing, like viruses are, you know, we're infecting each other with viruses. That whole thing, I think, is way out of proportion, way out of proportion. Like, we're not like easily like, oh, I caught a virus because so-and-so was had a virus. That's the whole thing is wrong. Like viruses are born inside the cells as a process of healing. Like, I'm not a virologist, but I've heard a lot of doctors talk about this. Um, and it's not this whole thing where like these viruses are these, you know, pathogens that we breathe from one to another, you know, we're all infecting each other and that's how we get sick. It doesn't work that way. We get sick because we're toxic and yeah. um, we're discharging, we're more, we're, our bodies are cleaning ourselves out. And when we're like, all like, all like, you know, stuffy head, sneezing, coughing, sore throat and all that, you know, the, the flu, the cold, that's just normal healing because we're eating junk. We're eating and drinking yeah. junk and taking in junk and taking toxins and all kinds of toxins, which we're not talking about. Nobody's talking about that, you know, except on the fringe. And that's making us sick. And then we get sick. And it's not like it's not the coronavirus or whatever virus or whatever. Um, yeah, so I did get sick. I did not get vaccinated because we had a better understanding. We understood that if you get sick, it's because you're conditioned off. You need to get sick and it's healthy. It was just normal. And it was never yeah. a problem with it. And we never blamed anyone else and we never were afraid and we're never like oh you're sick stay away like because it it's just nonsense and we knew it was nonsense and it turned out we were right that it was nonsense and it's still nonsense it's just if you're healthy and i have not been down this whole time since corona and i just don't care like i'll be around somebody who's sick i'll be around somebody who's be like i'm dying of covid oh my god i don't care like it's not gonna hurt me because i know what i'm eating I know what I'm putting in my body. I know what not to put in my body. I know I'm very in tune with myself from years of eating well and meditation. By the way, made meditation can make you incredibly sensitive to what's going on inside of you. Like I have incredible body sensitivity. I know things that are happening to me in a very acute way. I can, I can tell when I'm off before I get sick. But I don't even get sick anymore. Like very rarely. And it's not that it's a bad thing to get sick. I think. You know, people handle imbalances in different ways. And if you do get sick once in a while, good. It's a good, healthy discharge. Uh, I have other indicators that tell me when I'm off. So I, I, I pay attention. Like, I'm very, very in tune with that sort of thing. 
So yeah, when I was a kid, I got sick a lot more than I do now, but now I very rarely get sick. If I do get off balance, I pay attention, like I'm on it, I'm on it. I know what I, what did it, what caused it. Somebody asked me like, cause I, I made a statement on Facebook. Somebody, I was like, I don't, I don't even take Tylenol. I don't take any pills because I don't. I take a B12 pill and maybe some like, I have these, you know, mushrooms like lion's meat. I'll try different things, you know? Um, so like herbs mainly, like B12 and herbs. Um, and I don't take time, someone's like, well, what do you do when you get a headache? Like, I don't get headaches. If I get a headache, yeah. I'll like, what did I eat or drink or do that caused the headache? And I'll yeah. know, I'll be able to pinpoint it. Okay, it was this, it was that. I don't drink, I rarely drink, but if I drink too much, that might cause it. Uh, I have a low tolerance for alcohol, so, um, you know, that'll be one thing or like, you know, if I spend too much time in the sun, that might give me a headache. Or if I, I'm too, if I do too much physically, you know, like, I'll know, I'll just know, like, you know, I don't eat junky sugar, so that's not going to do it. I know what causes I'm in tune with my body. That's, and that's how, you know, that's, you know, if people could understand the level of sensitivity I have towards my body that they would know like oh wow like wow we can really fine-tune ourselves to the point where we're way ahead of the curve like we don't even get headaches we don't get sick that's that's possible I'm there I don't mean I don't want to brag it's the truth but I've been doing it for my whole life I'm 45 I've paid I have to like I've had it's just the way my life is long like I've had to pay attention and so this is where it leads me yeah I mean I feel like this con I think this is the biggest thing that people don't they don't understand what really is health or what is really healthy eating or a healthy life because when you say like oh vaccine just simply saying you know vaccines are not good for you they're like well then well then how am I supposed to be healthy they have no concept and so they cannot fathom because they think that like they can't fathom how you live your life because they you know regular people today eat so poorly and even this is the thing they even like I said don't have a concept of like what really is healthy eating because they think healthy eating is no carbs like chicken like chicken breasts like eggs and you know it's like it's not even a that's not even the correct concept you know so it's like they can't even it's such a big big problem people just don't understand and it's like I feel like we can't really make so much progress talking about you know the vaccine issue without helping people understand the total what is actually health you know You know, I think it's coming. I think we're entering that that time that yeah. age where um, we are going to learn uh, about real health, but we're not there yet. The microbiome is going to play a big part of that because we do yeah. have a really good understanding about um, food and how it relates to, to health, physical, mental, emotional. Not the only ones, but we do have we have like a big piece of that that puzzle. Um, and that's coming for the coming age because we've been in a, uh, an age of deep sleep and deep ignorance about so many things. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not one of these people who, who wants to uh, sort of 
uh, put put people who find um, the necessity to eat meat or dairy or chicken or eggs like in a basket of like sort of like just like that. These are the unhealthy people. <laughs> it's not not necessarily true. Like, yeah, a lot of animal food is really unhealthy, and a lot of the amounts that they eat is unhealthy. And right. Ways they cook it are unhealthy. But I think for different people on different um, phases of their own evolution, and I'm not even saying it's like a vertical ladder where you know the more evolved people are 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 vegan or vegetarian, and the less evolved. I mean, you could say that, and I'm not going to say it's wrong, but it's not 100% true either. It's not. We can't draw these hard, hard lines, right? Yeah. I think generally, yeah, it is better to eat less animal food if you want to be more spiritual. And I'm not saying vegan or vegetarian. I, I, I just want to paint very, very big, like loose strokes because I don't want to create any sort of dogma. I think right. dogma is unhealthy. Because right. we also have to say, we also have to include in everything that we're talking about is healthy thinking. So yeah. You can't bring unhealthy thinking into healthy eating or supposedly yeah. healthy eating. Um, so we have to think healthily as well, and that includes not having these heavy dogmas. But um, yeah, as far as animal food, there's healthy ways to eat animal food uh, in amounts, in cooking styles, in the quality. You know, um, so I think some people based on a whole slew of factors. And those people, I think, they know who they are. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's healthy ways to eat meat and there's healthy ways to be vegan. Vegan is important for some people, right? For a limited time, right? But it's also the same paradigm, like these vegans. They weren't born vegan. None, right. of, these, none of these, you know, vegans <laughs> talking about vegan were born vegan. They were right. born animal food. And then they discover veganism and all of a sudden they're like, everyone needs to be vegan. Yeah, well, no, that's as dogmatic as the people, the meat eaters being like, no, we all need to eat meat because whatever their rationale is, you know, right. there are those, there are those dogma people who have that dogmatic thinking too. And then there are people, you know, dogmatic mac macros that say, no, the macrobiotic way is the, the only way. <laughs> we can't have these dogmas in a healthy way of thinking. Different people need different things, right? And everyone has to figure that out for themselves. But what we can say is that. We need to up to quality, no matter what, whether you want to eat meat and dairy or don't eat meat and dairy or all vegan. Um, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a believer in the keto. I think that the modern paradigm did never work for any traditional people. Um, so I don't think that's really healthy for any extended period of time. So I think like carbohydrates are an important part of all the macro nutrients, you could say yeah. like, uh, carbs and fat and protein, but also energetic thinking because often people can get caught up in nutrition alone and think it's all just nutrition as long as we get yeah. the right nutrition well then you're like turning yourself into like you know um, you know uh, just a, a bundle of nutrients but we're more than that we, we have all these you know like how do you factor in you know subtle thinking or, or emotions like energy plays a role in other words energy is a big factor in food as much as nutrition is so we can't mm -hmm. just boil it down to like you know scientific nutrition just get the right amount then we're like then we're just like you take this nutritionally complete smoothie once a day and that's it who wants to live like that who wants to eat that you're missing a whole big portion of what food actually is yeah far more than nutrient nutrition yeah. well there is the sensory part 
the the gourmet part where you want to eat delicious food and like you want to look at the delicious food and smell delicious food but there's also other factors too where um you might need the energetic influence of fish per se mm -hmm. uh, for various reasons right yeah. more than just what you can break down in nutrition oh i get all my nutrients from the vegan diet and i take b12 and i take all these and i get everything okay that's that's fine that's fine for some people for a certain amount of time eventually some people at some point along the way might need actually fish despite all the nutrition just yeah. put aside you might need the energy of fish mm -hmm. so i forget the original question <laughs> so yeah yeah well all those things are are relevant to to what we're talking about um you know like just like going back to just mental health you know it's like like you could be uh, so many, I know a lot of people this is actually a good uh, great thing there are some people out there who do recognize even though they don't know about macrobiotics they do have a, maybe an intuitive feeling or there's more science coming out you know because you know a lot of people look at science as the ultimate word so but yeah. uh, but it's a great thing in a way because it's people who are dealing with mental health issues now they're thinking like hmm, maybe I should see a nutritionist and it's like like what you're saying it's like yeah you can get like everything nutritionally supposed to help you but that's why I think the really amazing thing about macrobiotics is because it talks about this the energy the spirit um of the food and what that gives to your spirit and that is what really attracted me in the beginning because I never heard of food talked about in that way in terms of vibration and you being at a certain vibration and actually one of my psychiatrists funnily enough even though you know she did a lot of things that I think were not good she actually tried to explain to me sometimes which I think was great but she told me um, when I was really depressed she said Michelle you're vibrating at a very low frequency and so everything that you attract is at that frequency and that was like I was like whoa and so when I read Jessica Porter's book the hip chick hip chick's guide to macrobiotics she's talking about food having a vibration and I was like well I want to be on the vibration of like being able to accomplish my dreams and so you know and she just talked about you know the natural energy of all the elements and how that's all in food and it, it was just a huge life-changing you know thought process for me and I think for a lot of people especially if you're wanting to heal even mental health huge that can be such a huge help to you to look at food in that way yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's a it's a missing piece for a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, the the whole paradigm of growth is that we're constantly expanding beyond the realm of what we've known. So, for some people, you know, they haven't discovered food as as a factor and then when they discover it, it's like mind-blowing and it's such a big thing and it, and it helps <laughs> tremendously and it's like oh my god why did i never know about this 
And then they do that and they feed off that for a while and they grow on that for a while. Problem is, it's not the end either. And sometimes right. people, they, they find macrobiotics or they find this, you know, something like food or whatever it is. <clears throat> and then they then they start to go to sleep about it. They rest about it. They'd be like, yeah, I discovered it. Now what? Like nothing. Like I just, you know, teach it or whatever, share it, just practice it. And that's it. But the nature of growth is that we're constantly have to expand. So the reason I'm saying is this, is that because, um, you know, some people discover macrobiotics and it's like, wow, this mind blowing thing. And then after 20, 30 years, they get sick again because they've stopped growing. And it's the same paradigm that happened originally. You know, they've originally maybe got sick and then they discovered macrobiotics and the macrobiotics healed. Uh, but the, the whole thing is that we never stop growing and we never have to stop um, expanding our horizons. And expanding our horizons means learning new things, things that we did not know before. It's always something new. It's always, I didn't know that I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's like, we, we like to think that we have discovered everything, like wherever we're at. It's like, I can't possibly grow beyond where I'm at right now because I already know everything. We all tend to think like that because it's just the nature, unless we're aware of the nature of growth, which is what I'm talking to you about. And that is the point that I'm trying to say that no matter what we discover, we're always going to eventually have to discover something new. And that um, uh, we have to be open to, to that paradigm, to, to learning, to growing, to receiving. Yeah. And for some people that, that's learning about food, um, you know, learning about um, food in more than one way, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe somebody learns about nutrition and now they have to understand that <clears throat> food is more than nutrition and it's more than sensorial enjoyment. It's also spiritual and energetic. And there's energetic factors that go far beyond the nutrition. Or maybe somebody knows about that and they have to discover spirituality. They have to discover meditation. They have to discover, um, you know, internal awareness or, or, or physical activity. Maybe they have to discover, you know, like Aikido or Tai Chi or yoga. Or maybe they have to discover gratitude. I was thinking um, just th this new kind of um, paradigm came over me. Like, you know, I'm sure it's been real. I know it's been very difficult for just about everyone dealing with these lockdowns and the yeah. whole pandemic thing, whether you believe it's real or not. I, I, I think there's a lot of lying going on, but I'm not, that's not my point. Um, yeah. You know, regardless of what you think, we've all had to be going through these dreadful lockdowns. And, and here in America, I think we, we've had it a lot better than other places like, like England and Canada and Australia. They're, they're going through dreadful things i've heard some people just like on the verge of like suicide and mm. and plenty of suicide yeah but and i've had my hard times and lately i've just you know sometimes it's really easy not just for me for anyone to get into a, a victim mentality you know i think like poor me poor me you know like i'm trapped here all alone i have you know i can't see anyone i can't you know whatever it is like yeah. we all have different situations for me it's like i don't have enough money i have all these bills and like i don't see anyone i don't have anyone to talk to and i'm isolated and you know what am i going to do and all this and that um you know we can feel very sorry for ourselves and um 
But this feeling like of uh, like gratitude came over me and I was just like, you know what? I have I have a really great body. I, I mean, my physical health is probably in the top percentile, probably because I paid tons of attention to it. Um, but it could be a lot worse. I could have been born uh, with a dysfunction or had a dysfunction, or, you know, gotten sick along the way, like terminally ill, not known about health, not known about this or that, or have some other, I could be homeless. There's so many things like that could be, you know? And yeah. I'm like, I have, I have my son who I, who's fantastic and I love him. I'm blessed, you know? And I really just, this feeling of gratitude came over me and it wasn't forced, it wasn't like, Oh, I better practice my gratitude because that's a really good thing to do. I never liked that. I never forced myself. I just felt grateful, you know, which was a switch from like feeling this dread. There's so much dread has been like awful dread for these past couple of years, like dealing with everything. But like this feeling of gratitude, like, you know, I really have to, not have to, I am grateful for so much of my life. I, I think like, if you can tap into that, that's that's a frontier that that really um, has a lot of value in it. It's, it's so proof on it, and something you said uh, reminded me to say that because I think it's really important to remember. Just if you can, like if you not to force it, not to force yourself. If you're not, if you don't feel grateful, don't be grateful. But if you can find part of yourself that is grateful, that it actually feels grateful for things you have in your life. Pay attention to that. Acknowledge that. Yeah. Now, make a point of not acknowledging that gratitude because I think once we can realize like our the wealth that we naturally have, the abundance, just pay to like just acknowledge it because that will help. That will help breathe that. You know, when when we give when we give validity and acknowledgement to 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 um what we do have, the good parts of our life, the things that we're grateful for, the things that we really are abundant in, that helps that that grow. It helps it helps um, abundance grow out of that. Just the attitude, the spirit of abundance. That's what we're breeding. That's what we're manifesting when we, when we acknowledge those parts of ourselves that we are grateful for. So I think that's a really, that's something, that's another frontier, you know, that it's good to tap into. Thank you, Joe, for reminding us about that. That seems we, I think we all needed to hear that, you know? And I'm so glad that you were able to have that experience and that you were able to recognize, like, what a difference it made, you know? Because I know it is for everyone, you know? We have been going through a hard time and we forget you know, we forget about that. Um, I wanted to ask you just a few more questions. I like to ask, I like to ask uh, similar questions to my guests at the end. Um, the first question is, what was the last thing you had to eat? Yeah, I had, um, oh, I had, well, I had an interesting, well, last thing I had to eat was a handful of peanuts. Uh, then I had my lunch, which was, it was like, a, it was a vegetable saute and <clears throat> I, I have these corn, organic corn tortillas that the saute came out too wet to make tacos. So I, what I did was 
all I did was I, I chopped my tortillas up into like little triangles and just mixed them in right at the end. It was like totally unorthodox. And I thought like, oh, taco lovers would like, you know, curse me. Like, you know, <laughs> I did not make tacos out of my tortillas. But I just, I totally did like an unorthodox thing, which is something I love. I love like doing what I'm not supposed to do. You know, like like tacos are all like everyone's like, oh tacos, tacos, tacos. Okay, cool. You like tacos, great. I don't care. Like I like corn tortillas. That's something I like. These organic corn tortillas. I mean, that's what I wanted for lunch. And uh, so yeah, I top, I chopped in those just right at the end so they don't get like mushy or anything. Yeah, they're a little wet, but um yeah, that was it. Uh it was vegetables and little oh uh, and it did have some clams in there. Had some things. Yep. So yeah, it was my unusual um, corn tortilla, clam, vegetable stuff. Very cool. And for those of you that don't know, um, I'll leave links in the description, and I'm sure Joe will sh- direct you uh, at the end. But he has a YouTube channel, and he has a lot of videos talking. About excuse me, talking about food, talking about spirituality. And um, he also has a few like recipe or like cooking videos that are, I think, really interesting. And um, so if you want to see more unorthodox creations from Joe Axman, check out his YouTube channel. Um, yeah, just a word about that. Like I haven't made any videos for a while and um, my whole channel was just like, Oh, I guess it represents me just all over the place. I'm a Gemini. I'm just like a bit of this, a bit of that. And I was trying to see if anything really stuck, um, which didn't stick that well. But I made some, you know, I made some good videos. And and um, like I was saying earlier, I think one of the main things was that was um, for me to um, get my voice out, get my, um, just tell my story about my background and my trauma because I think I just needed a bit of air a lot of air to really help and that was part of my healing process and I, I knew that consciously but um, there was still some subconscious push to, to really get that out and get some eyes on me <clears throat> because um, eyes and ears you know when other people um, can look and hear us you know whether it's writing or visual or whatever auditory uh, that helps our process like just the in the same way that meditation helps because we're putting our own consciousness on our own uh, problems or issues or, um, or, or therapy where we're using you know, one other person. Um, in this format, uh, YouTube or social media, we're utilizing a lot of people's eyes and ears and that helps, that really does. Um, so it's the same way, it's a, it's a form of therapy. So I figured that out, and that's one of the reasons for my YouTube. But I, I, the reason I'm saying it's sort of a hodgepodge. It's not really my my channel doesn't come together that well. But if you if you find it useful or entertaining, yeah, sure, go for it. Well, um, so just just speaking like about mental health quickly again. Um, what are some of the things you? kind of do more regularly now to maintain you know your sanity you know what has really been coming to me <clears throat> and i studied spirituality a lot like a lot like for decades in my 20s because i was having problems and i was seeking answers so spirituality came to me 
um, because my my parents, my mom. But <clears throat> God, it's been especially this past year the idea of God.、Um, yeah. And I know from my past studies.、Um, I have veered towards Zen and Advaita Vedanta, like Hinduism, like Eastern spirituality.、Um, the one of the teachings is that、um, the urge to seek God is actually God's in you. Wow! So that saying, that idea has always stuck with me. And so this time, where where I've just been like praying, not because I believe in prayer, but just because the prayer is coming inside me, and it's,、oh, wow. it's it's coming like 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 God, like Lord, dear Lord, praying to God, you know, like I'm not religious at all, <laughs> I'm spiritual, but this is coming, this is inside of me, this is like coming from inside, and I know because I've studied. That's God. That's God coming out of me. Like that's God seeking me. So like God's calling, you know. So that's where I'm at. Like God. Like I'm connecting with God, you know. And I need to do that. And that's part of my prayer. So that's more of my spirituality is that. And I meditate. I've been meditating for years. Um, it's it's changed, but I'm I've become like my meditations are very self-aware. I've had. I was born with synesthesia. But、I've had like this strong internal insight where I can see inside me, and I can see colors, and I close my eyes, and I, I like, I, I, I have mental vision, like I can see things synesthetically, synesthetically.、Um, but yeah, like this connection to God has really opened up in this past year, like very strongly. Like.、Um, I even do some calligraphy where I just、uh, repeat uh, like uh, a prayer over and over and over again, just without repetition. Calligraphy, like with my Japanese sumi, I'm, I'm doing with my right hand, but I'm actually left-handed, so it's more like this. But this, this.、Um, but yeah, just this prayer to like connect connection to God, and, and again, it's not like coming from my mind, coming from my heart. Dear Lord. We all need help right now. Like not just me. Yeah. Prayer for the whole world. Like we all need God. We need to connect to that higher power.、It、doesn't matter what you call it. I'm not attached. I'm not religious. Call it whatever you want. Whatever name for God you have. You know, all the names for God. Like just connecting to that, I think, is so powerful. Especially if it's coming from inside you. Like if you can be grateful. For your life, and if you can connect to God, and whether it's you know formal prayer or informal prayer or formal meditation or informal meditation or calligraphy or however it comes out, or if you're musically inclined, wherever, however, if you can connect in that way, I think that's what's called for right now. That's really awful. So amazing, Joe. That's so awesome. I'm sure that that's gonna resonate with some people out there, and that's so awesome.、Um, and I guess this is kind of a good time.、Um, and my last question is: What is your ultimate dream? Ultimate dream. I've had so many of my. 
I've had so many dreams crushed that, that I'm, I'm in a place where I'm just like, I mean, you know a bit about astrology. My sun and my Venus are in the eighth house and my, my Scorp, my ascendant is in Scorpio, my north node is Scorpio. Um, so I got like strong death influence in my chart. I've had, I've just been like, all, all those things like people are like, I want to be that, I want to do that, I want to, they've all been crushed or they've been played out. You know, I did that and then, and then they, they crushed, you know, like when I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star. Well, I wasn't a rock fan. Then I, I lived that and that ended. Um, but the theme that seems to play out is just like, like death and death and death and death and endings and endings and endings. And that seems kind of sad, and you can get it, but it's actually led me to where I am, and it's led me mm -hmm. to this like God. And so, yeah. like, so what's my ultimate dream? Um, I don't even know anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, like, like just to be here and to be present and to, um, to go deeper within my within my path and to, to connect to. I know it sounds cheesy, but really, it's like to to, to connect to to make that connection to whatever this God source is more clear so I can see more clearly and to have to to extend my spirituality and and my 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 insight into all the things that I have insight into to just to just open up that whole realm because I'm I'm life and everything has brought me into this more spiritual side of things and that's where my energies lie um, I need to crack that whole thing, that whole paradigm wide open so that I can really get like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I see where it's taking me and it's pushing me, like sometimes kicking and screaming, but it's pushing me there. And it's like, yeah. that's where it's like taking like all the, the darkness in my heart and it's making me experience it again and again and again until it's clean. So like my dreams for, for, for all that darkness that, I, that I've accumulated through trauma and through my life, through my own karma, cleared out and become clean you know that's a very virgo moon sort of thing like i want to be clean you know <laughs> that's my dream be clean, i guess have a clean heart that's... a clean spirit a clean soul oh joe that is i think that is that's beautiful you know and i think i think i personally think you're you're doing you have done and you you are doing such amazing things just by being exactly where you are and who you are with all the things that you've gone through and everything that you have to share and still you're on your journey and I mean I'm excited to see how things keep going and I'm just happy that that you're here yeah so is there any anywhere you would want to direct the listeners to to check you out online or any sure. projects? I don't have a website and even though I, I like people would probably say I should and I feel like I should. I don't for, for so many reasons. I feel like probably because I'm not where I want to be. But the point I'm trying to get at is that I do practice astrology. I do do readings. Um, um, I don't like promoting myself. Something like I'm, and it's just like I'm ambivalent, as, and it's I can see that I'm like, like I'm an, oh, I'm a Gemini, and I, I'm wishy-washy, or my Venus is in Gemini, and I'm Virgo Moon, so I'm self-deprecating, and all this stuff. I got you know, Scorpio ascendant, so I don't like to, I like to hide and be secretive, but I still do readings. So, 
if you would like a reading, I charge $40. Um, you can email me, macrogoldmachine at yahoo.com. M-A-C-R-O-G-O-L-D-M-A-C-H-I-N-E at yahoo.com. And I believe I'm, I'm a good astrologer and I should have a website up, but I don't. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. I don't have a website either. I just, you know, just have a million links, which, you know, it's okay. As long as people know how to contact you. I'll be sure to leave your email address below. And thank you so much, Joe, for talking to us today. Um, yeah, it was really nice um, to have this interview. I'm usually the one doing the interviewing, so it's nice to be interviewed. And um, I, I love to be engaged. I'm a, I'm a Gemini, so it's totally fun for me. Awesome. Awesome. Bye, everybody. (laughs) This podcast is made possible in part by the patrons over on patreon.com slash the underscore freedom underscore fairy, where you can also sign up and become a supporter. To get a personalized reading from me, visit my Etsy shop, Not Your Average Card. You can click the link in the description of this episode. If you like what I have to share, please rate five stars and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Your ears and your attention are appreciated. Think differently and live peacefully.